Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. My name is Braden. I'm the senior pastor here, and we just want to welcome everyone here, even the ones that this is your first time. Can we just make all of our visitors feel welcome? Give them a hand clap. If you're kind of new to our environment and you're saying, man, this seems like y'all don't have this thing very organized or planned, you'd be correct. Uh, I used to be a really, really super organized guy, and everything had a place, and everything had a time slot, and everything had a purpose, and uh, I think I've, I've just come to understand that if we allow him and give him liberty to interrupt our regularly scheduled program, we might like his program better than we like ours anyway. So uh, that's kind of what we're here to do. And uh, more than anything, and I think you kind of get the gist of it, even with some of the things we're already have already been said. And uh, we want you to encounter God. We really want you to encounter God today. I'm not just here to teach you something so that you can ascend intellectually to a new higher power, higher understanding of, of things. I genuinely want you to understand or experience some things. And so uh, that's our heart. And so right now, if you'll just posture yourself to believe that you're not just going to learn something today, that you're actually going to experience something from God. You're actually going to feel something. Something's actually going to change on the inside of you. Uh, I think you will. One of the things I... A, a preacher I used to listen to, kind of an old school kind of a guy, uh, he always reminded the audience, he said, you, just as have, you have just as much to do with how good this message is as I do. You have to believe, and the more you believe, the more faith you pull out, the more you pull out of me, and I just believe that. The more faith you have today that God's going to do something for you, encounter you, talk to you, speak to you, touch you, uh, the, more, the closer you are to actually having it happen. So how many of you guys believe God's going to do something today? Amen? Awesome. All right, well, I don't have too long because all of our worship team thought it was all about them today, so they just, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Turn to Hebrews chapter 2. We'll get there here in just a second, but I just want to do a bit of a uh, kind of a recap of last week. I started a, a message called, Why Are You Afraid? Turn to your neighbor and say, Why Are You Afraid? Turn to your other neighbor and say, Stop looking at me like that. No, uh, Why Are You Afraid? This came out of a scripture where Jesus, and, his, and I'm just going to breeze right through some of this, but uh, you'll find it in Matthew chapter 8, maybe Mark 4. It's in a few different places uh, <clears throat> where Jesus tells his disciples, hey, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. So they get in the boat. They start heading that direction. The storm comes. The disciples freak out. Jesus is asleep. They come and wake him up, and they say, hey, do you not care that we're fixing to die, that we're fixing to die in the storm? And his response to them is not what they expected. He, instead of saying, you know what, you're right. I don't know what I'm doing sleeping right now. Uh, he turned to them and said, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Now, why would he say, why are you afraid? Isn't the obvious they're in a hurricane? They're in a storm. Sometimes we, we like to, to give our, our, our fear excuses as if it's so big that everyone should understand why we are afraid except for the fact that before they got in the storm, Jesus said, hey, we're going over there. We're going to go to the other side. They had more faith in the storm that they were in than the words that he had spoken. And when you start talking about fear, looking into fear, the root of all fear is one of two things, either not knowing the word of God or not actually believing it. Not knowing the word of God or not believing it. We said, we, I made this statement last week that fear is ruining people's lives. Fear is ruining people's lives. And as I was studying over this last night, the Lord said, say it a different way today. Say not only is fear ruining people's lives, fear is running people's lives. 
If you'll, if you'll be honest, every one of us in this room would acknowledge that there's some degree of fear, some degree of insecurity that we're planning our life around. That fear causes us to go this way, or this fear causes us to go that way. We allow fear to dictate where, and where we go, what we do, not just the Word of God. And I, and I think it's time that fear gets its hands off the steering wheel. How about Jesus take the wheel? Come on, somebody. Carrie Underwood had something right, you know. Um. I want to read a list of fears just because I want you to see some of the subtleties that kind of how fear sneaks in. I read this last week, but I want to read it again just so that we start to be aware of how fear can slip in and sneak in. And some of you say, man, I didn't even know that was a fear or I thought that was a normal fear. There's no such thing as a normal fear. Get that into your, into your belief system. There is no such thing as a fear that's normal or a fear that is okay. The Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Well, if he didn't give it to us, I don't want to live with it. If he didn't give it to us, I don't want to live with it. But so many of us struggle, struggle with some of this. <clears throat> First one I, I, I mentioned last week, I'll read them again. Fear of dying, fear of death. We'll talk more about that uh, later, to the, later in the message. Fear of sickness. It's flu season. Since when did it become okay to call it a season where you're going to get the flu? It's like you're planning for the flu. Okay. <laughs> fear of something ha- happening to your kids at school. Oh, man, I feel like the Lord just said this one to me. Fear of your kids' school experience being just like yours. Man, I feel the Lord really strong on that. <clears throat> Some of you, your childhood experience was not what it should have been. Not what God intended. And the Lord's saying right now, that fear that you have, he's saying they were, these were my kids before they were your kids, and I've got them, and they won't have the same experience you had. I just feel the Lord real strong on that. <clears throat> fear of leaving your kids with someone else. Fear of allergies. You notice how many allergies there are this, these days? It's like, oh, I'm sorry, my kid can't go to school today. He's allergic to air. I'm sorry. (laughs) Couldn't do that today. (laughs) Fear of losing your job. Fear of not being able to provide for your family. Fear of rejection. Fear of being single the rest of your life. Huh? Like the Lord just said this one. Fear of raising your kids alone. Fear of raising your kids alone. Fear that your kids are going to miss out because you made a mistake, your spouse made a mistake, your kids didn't do anything to deserve it, but now they're being raised in a one-parent home, and you're afraid they're going to miss something. Fear of your husband working in the oil field. (laughs) Fear of flying. Fear of your spouse cheating on you. Fear of your spouse falling back into that addiction that's wreaked so much havoc in your marriage already. These, can I just say, these, these may be real. These may be your experience, but you don't have to yield to it. There, is, there should be no guilt, shame, or condemnation because you have fear. There should just be courage to move forward in your fear because of the Word of God and His promises. Like we just sang, all the promises are yes and amen, amen, amen me, so be it.
It's real. 1 John 4, 18 says this, says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. We talked about this last week, that word torment. It's only used two times in Scripture, right here describing what fear is like, the other time in Matthew describing what hell is like. Why? Because living in fear is living in hell. Living in fear, living under the bondage of fear, allowing fear to dictate your every move, allowing fear to infiltrate your thoughts is like living in hell. He that fears has not been made perfect in love. The good news about this is he says fear has torment, but there is a, there is a cure. There's an anecdote for this fear. It's called love, perfect love. I want to read another scripture uh, that I want to I kind of marry with these two scriptures together if you'll give me the liberty here, John 15, 13, says, greater love has no one than this than to, than to lay down one's life for his friend. In other words, there's no greater love than this. It, would you say it's probably okay to say no? If you say there's no greater love, that's probably the same thing as perfect love. If it can't get any greater, that's probably perfect. So there's only one kind of love that gets rid of all fear. It's the kind of love that would cause a man to lay down his life for his friends. Who does it sound like we're talking about here? Jesus. I, I propose to you today that what Jesus did on the cross once and for all dealt with the root of all fear. What Jesus did on the cross once and for all dealt with the root of all fear. And I'll just tell you right now that the root of all fear, we mentioned it earlier, but the root of all fear is the fear of death. And Jesus came to conquer death hell, and the grave. He came to conquer the fear of death by which all other fears originate. I want to read a scripture. I didn't, I was telling our team earlier this morning, sometimes you read a scripture and you're like, I promise you that wasn't in there yesterday. It's just so real and new to you. Like, I, there's no way that was in there yesterday. Let's just read in Hebrews chapter 2 for here, here for just a second. Starting in verse 10, it says, God for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and his sisters. You are the brother and the sister of Jesus. How cool is that? For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him, that is, I and the children God has given me. <clears throat> because God's children are human beings made flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Here's where I wanted to get to. Only in this way. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. All who have lived their lives. Another translation, I think the New King James, the English Standard Version, they're all different variations of this. But it says those who are in bondage to the fear of death. In bondage to the fear of death. How many of you guys would be okay if you never lived in bondage anymore? Bondage to this fear that's creating a hell. Some of the, sometimes the hell's just in your mind. So much fear, so much anxiety, so many negative thoughts, so much going on in here that you can't even live with what's going on in there. Jesus came as a man to take the sins of man. He was the only one fit to do this so that he could free all of us who at some point in our lives lived in the bondage of the fear 
of death. It's kind of interesting because you read something like that, and you're like, is it even possible to live free from dying? Or free from the fear of dying, I, sh- I should say. Is it even possible to not be afraid of death whatsoever? I, got, I, I really just want to say two things today uh, concerning conquering the fear of death. Two ways you conquer the fear of death. The first, the first one's super simple, but it's powerful. Here's how you conquer the fear of death. You know with whom you will be with when you die. You know with whom you will be with when you die. Make no mistake about it. Fear is not eradicated because you know you're going to heaven. Fear is eradicated because you know you're going to him. Going to a place doesn't do it. Getting back with him does. I'm going to read you a scripture in um, Philippians chapter 1. Paul is writing this, this, this letter to the church of Philippi. He's in prison uh, with his understudy Timothy. They're in there together. and He writes this. He says, yes, and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, as now as always with Christ, will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to, me to, for, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. He says to live is Christ, and to, get, and to die is what? Gain. Not terrible, not, 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 not horrific. To die is terrifying, no. To die is actually gain. And he's even got himself in a position, he's in a prison, he's like, you know, if I live, I just get to do more works of advancing the kingdom, which is good for me. If I die, I get to be with Christ. I don't really know which one I'm gonna choose yet. That's a bold statement. It's a courageous statement. I'm hard-pressed between the two. He says, my desire is to depart, to be with Christ, for that is far better. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. What an amazing place to be where your perspective is so clear, so right, is so godly that to live as Christ to die is gain. For me to die is the best thing for me because if I die, I am get to go be with Christ, which is the best thing. But because of my desire to see so many other people have this same promise, I'm gonna stick around and spread the gospel. Is it possible that conquering the fear of death may be the thing that you need to step into your assignment, to step into your destiny, to step into your calling? I think we would all acknowledge that at some point in our lives, there's been an unction on the inside of us pushing us towards an assignment, pushing us towards a destiny, pushing us towards a purpose, pushing us to take a leap of faith, but fear got in the way. Fear got in the way. A negative thought got in the way. Again, I propose that conquering the fear of death, as Paul did here, might be the thing that empowers you to do the thing that God's called you to do. Oftentimes you hear people say when it comes to, to dying, they, they, look, they look forward to uh, heaven and they, and they say, I, I can't wait to see my grandmother. I can't wait to see my fa- mother and father who went before me. And all of those things are good and great, but can I just tell you, Paul said it so accurate, accurately, there's not, no relative. And even if all dogs go to heaven, no puppy dog in heaven, it, it, it even compares 
to what it will be like seeing him and being with him. Not even close. I, uh, you, you've heard me tell this story, and I, and I, and I won't go into it, but I, I, I can tell you from experience, a, a guy who, uh, in, in his, in, in given to my natural faculties and more of a naturally-minded guy, uh, more of a thinker, not much of a feeler, never thought I needed to encounter the presence of God, never wanted to see an angel, never wanted a visitation from the Lord until I got one. <laughs> and I had an encounter with the Lord that forever changed my theology. I had a visitation where I actually saw Jesus, and in that moment he didn't give me any instructions, didn't give me any correction, didn't even give me any encouragement, didn't say or do really anything. He just was with me. And I have, not had an, I have not had an experience. I've had God give me some incredible revelation where I've been reading the word and all of a sudden it's like the words just leapt off the page and I had all of a sudden this incredible understanding of God and his ways and it didn't even come close to how I felt when I was just with him. We can sit here and study this scripture day and night and get revelation after revelation and if we don't get the revelation that it's actually better to be with him than have a revelation, we miss the whole point of the revelation. This is not a Bible to be learned. This is, not a Bi- this is not a Bible to be memorized. This is a book about a person to get introduced to, a person to walk with. Didn't even come close. I, I'm telling you, that, that, that encounter, I don't know, it maybe, <clears throat> it maybe lasted 20, 25 minutes at the most when, it, when I was with him, and I'll never forget it. I will never forget it. I, I can't even... I can't even remember everything I preached last week. But I will never forget that. There is an anchor to my soul that the presence of God, being with him, produced that nothing else can. And the same goes for you. And the confident knowing that if I leave this earth, to leave this earth is to immediately be with him, all of a sudden death begins to lose its sting. It literally begins to lose its thing. Lan would attest to this. After I had that encounter, I, I, I was hungry for more. I didn't ever think I needed that, but until I got it, I was like, okay, that, let's do that from now on. And I just was so hungry, and I began to press in and do things. And anything, I, any scripture I could find that said, if you do this, the, the presence of God is there. I, I, just anything and everything I could get my hands on. I was so hungry for, for the presence of God. The more I did that, the more aware I became of what it will be like when I'm with him again. All of a sudden, I started, I, I kind of started talking crazy. I was, if, I, if I'm being 100% honest with you, I told you, I was like, I just, I just really am not afraid to die anymore. I just really don't care. And I just kept saying it over and over again. And finally, I was like, okay, enough of this fr- not afraid of death talk. Let's just move on past that. Freaking me out. <laughs> Why? Because you really start to see what Paul said. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Because if I die, I'm going to be with him. And that is far better. The fear of death is eradicated when you are fully confident who you will be with when you die, who you will be with. The second one is very similar to that. It's not knowing who you'll be with when you die. It's knowing who you can be with right now. It's, as a believer, who you are with and who's with you right now. Not in the sweet by and by, like my father-in-law used to say, in the nasty here and now. Who's with you Right now. It's interesting, and this is a little bit Christmassy, I didn't even realize this. In, in the Garden of Eden, the, the, the world we were created to live in, the environment we were created to live in, there was this, 
there was Adam, there was Eve, there was every provision that they could have ever wanted. There was this perfect environment. There was dominion over everything. But most importantly, there was fellowship with God every single day. God told Adam, if you eat of this fruit, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll surely die. The enemy tried to convince him that that wasn't true. But interestingly enough, what he thought, maybe what, how he perceived death and maybe how we perceive death is not actually what happened. He ate of the tree and what happened? It caused separation from God, separation from the place where they could commune together every single day of their lives. I propose to you that the greatest penalty of sin is not death. It's separation from God. That's the greatest penalty. You see this, you see some of this exemplified in, in, in Jesus' life in Matthew chapter 7. I want to read this in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 45. Jesus is on the cross. He's already been beat. We're, we're within three hours of Jesus dying. Here's what happens. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So three hours of darkness in the middle of the day. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying those four words. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it, they, they said, this man's calling Elijah. And one of them said, it won't. one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah actually comes and saves him. Verse 50, Jesus cried out again. Most likely the exact same thing he cried out before. Why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he yielded up his spirit. Jesus is staring death in the face. He's just, he, he's just gone through one of the most severe beatings Historians would tell us, the theologians would tell us, the beating alone should have killed him. He shouldn't have even been alive to be on the cross. He's just endured this unbelievable beating. He's been nailed, he's, he had a, a crown of thorns thrust on his head. Giant spikes driven through his, the palms of his hands and his feet. He's hanging on this cross, being humiliated, naked and humiliated in front of all of these people. And yet, at, uh, up until the ninth hour, nothing had happened that really caused him to cry out in concern. But it says at about the ninth hour, all of a sudden something changed and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he says it again, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he says he yielded up his spirit. I propose to you that it was the presence of God with Jesus that helped him endure everything that he was going through, that helped him face death right in the face and not even be moved. But the minute that the presence of God was gone, even Jesus as a man, he came as a man, man Jesus could no longer survive. If, if man Jesus, son of God Jesus, could not live this life without the presence of God, then why do you and I think we can't? What was the thing on that cross that Jesus said, I can, go, I can go through all of this. I can handle all of this, but there's one thing I will not live with. Not being connected to my Father and Him not being connected to me. We were created to live in His presence. We were created to, to love His presence. We were created to desire His presence. Eradicating fear. The fear that causes hell in our lives comes from living fully aware of his presence. You don't, get rid of, you don't get rid of fear because you know you're living right. 
Well, I know I'm living right, so I ain't got nothing to be afraid of. That doesn't get it done. Coming to church, starting to tithe for the first time, starting a nonprofit, all the, all the good things you could do don't eliminate the fear. But being with him does. I read this, I read this scripture last week, and I just, it's funny, all the little things just kind of popped out this, this week, and uh, things I didn't read. I was like, oh my gosh, I should have continued reading Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So I, I, and I talked about, hey, you can, you can stand in the valley of the shadow of death and not be afraid. It's possible to not be afraid. But what's the very next word say? For you are what? With me. What gets rid of the fear? Oh, he's with me. He's with me. There, there, has, to, there has to be this value for just God being with us. That being a Christian is more about being with him than it is doing something for him. This is what eliminates the fear and calls, causes us to live the life that God's called us to live. I'll close with this. Because really all I'm doing is I'm trying to instill in you a value for his presence. Once you, once you have a value for something, I don't have to tell you what to do. Once something's valuable, let me, let me say it a different way. Once something's valuable, once you know something's value and it's availability, the rest, you kind of know what to do. If I were to tell you right now, there's a brand new car in the parking lot for every single one of you. There's keys at guest service. See you next week. I wouldn't have to say now, I need you to go get those keys. And even if you, no matter what key you got, go around and check all the cars because there's a key. I don't have to tell you what to do. As soon as you know the value that's out there and that it's available, the rest is up. Can I just tell you, there is no greater value than the presence of God and it's available to everyone available to everyone. Jesus told his disciples this in, in, in John chapter 16. He's having the last supper with them. And uh, he says something that gets, it's one of my favorite things to read. I think it puts in perspective some things. Um, he says, it's, 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 I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In the garden, the presence, the presence was what was most important. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost that. Ever since then, God's been trying to get that back. Not just, not just get, keep you from dying, getting you back connected with him. The, when the angels prophesied the birth of Jesus, it says they came and said, You're gonna, there's going to be a virgin. Her name's Mary. She's going to have a son. And, he, and here's what it says. You will call him Emmanuel. It does not say you will call him Messiah, but is he, is he the Messiah? Is he the one that was, is going to save us? Yes, we all know. Yeah, he was the Messiah. But is it possible that the angel was prophesying a higher truth than just being saved? He was prophesying he, you will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. He was prophesying through the birth of Jesus. That thing that you really lost, being with him, he's coming back. He's coming back. You got it back. God with you. Then Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, goes on to tell his disciples here, says, look, it's actually better that I go. And they're like, wait a minute. This is what was prophesied. You're with us finally. And now you're going to tell us it's better that you go? Why? Because if I go, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, which will be God 
with every single one of us for every single minute of every single day for all of eternity. Jesus could be God with whoever he was with at the time. The Holy Spirit can be God with everyone at every given time. What do we see here? The presence of God, God's presence was lost and Jesus came to restore it. Emmanuel, God with us. As soon as I leave, Holy Spirit's coming. God with us. What should be our focus? Living God with us. I, I love uh, Bill Johnson, one of my, one of my kind of heroes of the faith. He talks about if living in conscious of the presence, he's got a little cloth, which is interesting. I have a cloth today. I'm, I'm all big time now. Um, <laughs> He, he talks about living in the, pre, in the presence. If you're constantly aware of the, of, of the presence of God, how you might live your life, especially he, he talks about the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit being like a dove. Imagine if the dove was sitting here on your shoulder. If, if, if you wanted that dove to stay, every action you took all day long would be to keep that sucker right there. Let me just say this. Every joke you told would be to keep him right there. Every show you watched, every internet site you looked up, every word you spoke, everything you did in public, everything you did in private, if you valued this, everything would be done in response to this. I, again, I, just, I want you to know the value and the availability. And, and I felt like the Lord wanted to do something a little bit unique today, um, and, and this is how we're going to close. Uh, some of you were raised either not in church or in a church environment where talking about the Holy Spirit was like a little bit weird. In fact, the Holy Spirit wasn't even a person. He was an it. It was a thing. It was a subject matter. Not the other, the third part of the Godhead, the person, the Holy Spirit. And because there was some concern that maybe if you, if you, if you embraced the Holy Spirit that you were going to, lose control of your mouth and in the middle of a restaurant you're going to start speaking in tongues or in the middle of a church service you might start jumping up and down and spinning around like Steve-O or that something was going to happen and the whole, embracing the Holy Spirit meant embracing all these things that made you uncomfortable can I just say this before it's any of that not that it's not those things but before it's anything embracing the Holy Spirit is just embracing God with us it's just embracing God with us and I think he's, he's merciful enough, he's gracious enough that if that's all you understand and there's still some, uh, some angst, some anxiety, some uncertainty about some of the other stuff, can I just say this too when it comes to the Holy Spirit? There's, there's two lists of things concerning the Holy Spirit that I think uh, help here. Some, one helps, some, one seems to confuse people. There's the gifts of the Spirit. And there's all these gifts and how he functions and how he operates, and that kind of freaks people out. Did you know there's another list that I don't think anybody's afraid of in Galatians called the fruit of the Spirit? And in other words, here's, a, here's the fruits of embracing God with you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Then it goes on to say, against such there is no law. If, if for nothing other than the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kind of all those things. That, if nothing but for the fruit is the presence of God not worth it, is living with him not worth it? If Jesus said, I won't continue to live this life without it, should we? Should we? I just want everyone in here to close your eyes, bow your head for just a second. 
it's interesting how we've complicated some things that Scripture has made so clear. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's very simple. Acknowledge you need a Savior. You call upon His name, you get saved. There's something very powerful when we say something. There's power in our words. But then there's another Scripture. So that's how we receive Jesus. But in the exact same way, there's another scripture that says, if we as earthly fathers desire to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It doesn't say he'll give it to those who'll jump up and down and speak in tongues, who'll commit the rest of their lives to this or that. No, it just says he'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. In other words, God with you right now is as easy as you asking for it. Not being afraid about it, afraid of it, not being concerned about it, not allowing some wrong teaching or some fearful teaching from the past or another church experience or church environment to keep you from asking, just ask for God with you. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.